This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday Twilight Show. I'm your host, Michelle, and tonight I have a very astute and experienced guest, Miss Kosia Belvet. She will join me as we explore the transformation of pupil behavior over time. The question is, has behavior changed since our predecessors, or have the boundaries been shifted? Stay tuned. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to those of you who have already tuned in. I am just waiting on my special guest, Miss Kosia Belvet, and uh, hopefully she will be joining me very, very soon. I, I can see Tom Rogers. I see huge somebody there as well. And uh, hopefully Kosia will figure out how to join and she will be with us. In the meantime, I would just like to reiterate what's going to happen tonight. And uh, we're going to be talking about behavior and how it has transitioned over the years. We're going to talk about whether or not it has really changed or have we shifted the boundaries as educators, as leaders and as parents. So I am just waiting for my guest to join. I think she's having some technical difficulties. Um, so I'm just going to instruct her to log off and try again because I would love to hear uh, her expertise. So Miss Belvitt hopefully will be joining us and here she is. And I am so happy that she is now with us and uh, hopefully she will be in the chat very soon. Uh, so in the meantime, I'll just tell you a little bit about her and I don't know if Tom, if you could assist in getting kosher to actually be on the call. I can see her as a listener, but it's important that she joins us <laughs> as one of my guests tonight. So in the meantime, however, I'd just like to tell you a little bit more about her. Miss um, Belvid has been teaching for 10 years, seven of those in mainstream schools and three of those years in AP schools as head of English, literacy, and CPD. She achieved the first communication-friendly school status for a Peru in England and was instrumental in raising attainment in English. She's a speaker on various platforms, supporting schools and young people. Um, I must say, very, very impressive uh, CV here and bio kosher, extremely impressive. So yeah, so she's done some of those things. And one of the things that kosher mentioned that she's done which I found extremely impressive was the fact that she has worked with and trained uh, the police force in, in the London area around communicating with young people. Uh, so, so that's been really great. And it's important that as educators, we give back. Um, I think Kosha is with me now. Kosha, if you could just 
acknowledge that you can hear me and that you're with us. Hi, Michelle. I can hear you very well. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Thank you so much. My sincere apologies. Um... That's okay, Koshia. Welcome. And uh, we do look forward to hearing from you. I was just sharing with listeners uh, your exciting profile. And um, we will definitely be hearing from you shortly. Uh, so we wait for other people to join us in this, what will be, I promise you, a very interesting discussion. So remember to call in or send us a message once you join. Hi, Charlie. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining. So remember to either call in or send us a message by downloading the Podbean app. Think about how did you behave in school? How did your classmates behave? And how did teachers respond to poor behavior when you were in school? So we'll now pause and hear from one of our sponsors while you grab yourselves a cup of tea and get ready to join in the discussion. Stay tuned. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit EatonX.com to find out more. And do check them out. I've already done my own research and I've ordered a couple of books as well. So do check them out. Some valuable materials there from John Cat, especially. So behavior. Uh, before we start the discussion and before I invite Kosha to share some of our experiences, um, I decided to do a little bit of research and I'd love to share that with you before we get really deep into the discussion. And so I stumbled upon this research document on pupil behavior published in uh, December 2019 by the University of Exeter. And it noted that behavior in schools and classroom management has been the focus of a great deal of research, theory, policy, and media attention, and I'm sure we can all agree with that. Despite this, however, pupil behavior remains a challenging area for all stakeholders in the education of children and young people, and is commonly cited as one of the most difficult tasks that both experienced and new teachers have to contend with in schools. Koshia, would you agree that behavior is always top of our agenda? I do think behavior can be a massive focus for teachers. Um, I'm going to be slightly controversial and say I it is the top of our agenda, but I think the the lens that we gaze at it through could be slightly adjusted. Okay, 
Thank you. And we'll ask you to elaborate on that later on, and there will be an opportunity to do that. And I, I love that uh, explanation, that the lens that we gaze on them through yeah, needs to be adjusted. Very lovely analogy there. So um, as we're saying, yes, it's always the top of our agenda. And it doesn't matter where you are. And I've taught in various school settings in three different countries. And at the beginning of every academic year without fail, there will be a behavior CPD, how to manage behavior, how to ensure that students are compliant. And if I were to even cast my mind back when I was a student, I recall that there were children in my class, especially in primary school, where you know they posed behavioral concerns. And I'm not so sure if the teachers then were equipped to deal with these uh, behavioral issues or even tackle the root cause of the behavior. And I remember that my teachers back then, they resorted to corporal punishment and I'm by no means supporting that, but that's what they resorted to, to maintain control. Uh, teachers went as far as to name their belts. So, so for those of you who were not brought up in the Caribbean, this is something for you, okay? They named their belt. They didn't have to use it necessarily, but it was on their desks, coiled like a venomous snake, waiting to attack the student who dared to step out of line. And, and, and so that's what they used, you know, that was their main tool by secondary school that didn't exist anymore. So Kosha, I'm going to ask you if you could go back a bit to your time in primary or secondary school, and I know you studied those early years in Jamaica. If you were to cast your mind back, what do you recall about pupil behavior then? And how did your teachers deal with it? I do remember the belts. Um, <laughs> I can remember what my primary school head teacher's belt was called. It was called Doctor Do Me Good, <laughs> which <laughs> I'm sure the irony won't be lost on you. Um, exactly. <laughs> and behavior was essentially controlled through fear. It was that fear of chastisement. It was that fear um, of as you said, corporal punishment, because oftentimes these beatings weren't done privately. Exactly. <laughs> they were done collectively, you know, and I think one of the things we had was a real sense of our school being a community and, and us being a representative of that community. Mm -hmm. And when you transgressed, you transgressed the whole community. And so <laughs> your punishment was corporate. You know, um, but definitely the behavior strategies that I use now that are talked about in those CPD classes, mm -hmm. like you just said, did not exist when I yeah. was at school. And if they were, <laughs> they weren't practiced. Um, by the time we I got to secondary school, high school, as we called it in Jamaica, um, it was different for you, but I st we still had the belts. Okay. Um, I vividly remember in Jamaica, we had assemblies every morning and it was a place of notices, um, praying, singing the school song, etc. Mm -hmm. And I, I can remember there being a desk on the assembly stage that any child who was wearing their uniform and happened to bring the school into disrepute, <laughs> um, would face the belt um, and and we were made to stand there and watch it so although it changed for you in high school it continued 
for me. I mean, I, I was a good student. I, I don't think I've ever, I can't remember ever getting a school beating. So I've, I've never experienced yeah. what that might have been like for a student. But I certainly remember watching it and thinking, oh my God, I don't ever want yeah. that to happen to me. So I think behavior was certainly controlled through an element of fear through an element of um, community, you know, this is your community, you're representing the community. And so you need to do right um, yeah. by the community. Thank you so much. And yes, Kosha, you're right. It was a public lashing and people tried to avoid that. However, there were students who still pushed the boundaries. And, you know, you're, all re you're also right in saying maybe there were CPD sessions, but there was no evidence of that based on how teachers dealt with behavior back then. You know, I, we don't know. Maybe they didn't have the training. Maybe they were told, get the best belt you could find to keep these uh, children in order. And I raised the same question today amongst my colleagues. And one of my colleagues did not hesitate. She went, when I said, what was it like? She said, strict. That's it, strict. And we were terrified. And I asked her, was that a good thing to be terrified? And her response was, we learned how to study and conduct ourselves. And then she said, the rules were trust and expectations. We trust you to live up to our expectations. Uh, and so that was it. And so everybody fell in line because that was the expectation. And later on, we'll talk about some of the sanctions that we experienced back in the day. What are the sanctions we have today and the limitations on those sanctions? Another colleague said, we had better manners we dared not speak over the teacher or interrupt. Today, I find myself teaching my students the basic manners, knock the door, wait until you're invited to enter, say good afternoon, say good morning. When I was in school, that was a given. But so we'll look at that um, after the next break and just to explore whether or not uh, it's the behavior that's changed or have we kind of shifted the boundaries a little bit have we become a little bit more lenient when it comes to behavior and discipline so stay tuned and do charlie text some friends tell them to join us and uh have your questions ready or your contributions this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit EatonX.com to find out more. And welcome back. Koshia, thank you so far for um, your 
so much for your contribution so far. Much appreciated. So we've been talking about behavior from the point of view of being students ourselves. And now we're going to look at behavior as teachers, whether earlier, uh, earlier on in our careers or later on in our careers. We're going to explore that as well. So I did my teacher training in a very different context than the UK. And the behavior challenges I experienced in Jamaica at the time were very different from what I witnessed today. So I remember doing my teacher training in a school where the average class size was 40, 40 students. This was a time when parents were making desks and chairs and bringing them to school for their children to sit on because there was just not enough room. And it was so important for me to engage those students. And I had to use every ounce of creativity to ensure that they stayed on task, use my voice, use my charm, win them over just to ensure that I, I got through each lesson. And somehow I managed to do that. But after my teacher training, I went to an all girls school to teach, and this was in the city. And the most behavioral issues I encountered back then were very low level, I must admit. And you know, trivial things when you look back at it today, like girls not wearing their socks at the correct length. And when you think about that now, you think, what a waste of time. You know, you're walking around measuring the length of socks. And the, the vice principal, one of the vice principals was so keen to do that. Or you'd be telling them off for chewing gum and sending them to detention and all that for chewing gum in the classroom. And then I moved to the UK to an inner city London school. And I tell you what, I wanted to apologize to every girl back in my previous school in Jamaica for yelling at them for not wearing their socks at the correct length. Because it wasn't until I moved to the UK that my behavior management skills were truly challenged. And so in 2001, fresh from Jamaica, I had to devise my own strategies to ensure that my classroom was a safe environment. And back then, your authority as a head of department was highly respected. I mean, if a student was out of line, they would respond immediately to the threat of summoning the head of department. I can't say it's the same today necessarily. Or when we had phones in our classrooms, all you needed to do was attempt to pick it up and that student would be compliant immediately. You know, there were challenges, however. So tonight with Kosha, I would like us to look at some of the experiences we've had in the classrooms today and how we've dealt with them. And hopefully you'll have some takeaways because as you can tell, Kosha is an expert when it comes to this. So Kosha, what was behavior like for you in your ECT years? What tools were you equipped with to deal with behavior and were they sufficient? I think I remember when I was reading, listening to you, Michelle, I remember my interview when I um, started teaching. I didn't go into teaching immediately out of school. I went out into the world of work. So by the time I came into teaching, I had many years of experience. I had managerial experience. I had very strong, a strong customer service background. So I was used to dealing with difficult customers, difficult clients. And I'd also worked um, quite closely in youth work on a voluntary basis. So by the time I did enter teaching, I did have a bit of experience under my belt. And I remember my interview and I thought that this to date is the weirdest interview I've done. Mm -hmm. And the head teacher had one question to ask me in that interview. And it was, are you a wallpaper? <laughs> okay. And I thought, 
is this a trick question because I'm applying for an English teacher? <laughs> she wants to test my ability to um, analyze a metaphor. <laughs> I know. After having worked at the school for a few weeks, I realized exactly what she was asking me. Yeah. Because it, it was a challenge in, in a London secondary school um, with behavior being the main challenge in the classroom. Um, some of the things that I had to deal with was very foreign to me as a student. And I think as a teacher, I think one of the things that was very, very difficult for me was because I remembered what it was like being a student and, and I kind of went into education thinking, yeah, I'm going to go in and teach these children that want to learn. Yeah. And then I turned up to the classroom and there were students, there were some students there who were very keen, very eager to learn, but there were also students there who didn't want to learn and who were there because they had to be. Um, there were students there who had social issues um as in they don't like this child so i know i'm not going to sit in that seat and very we can look at and think immature things but i've learned over the years that expectations as you said earlier it, it's a massive thing yeah it's a really really important thing and i think that's one of the things even though we we kind of almost gave a negative introduction to what teaching was like in school. Listeners, it, it was not as traumatic as it sounds. Mm -hmm. I remember my education in Jamaica very fondly because what our teachers did have of us was that high expectation. Yeah. Yeah, they had the expectation that we would be our best selves um, and they didn't adjust that. We had to meet them at that expectation. But the worst behavior that I've had to deal with in the classroom is apathy. Okay. Yeah. Not wanting to be there and being forced to be in the classroom because then how do you engage? How do you encourage? So for me as an ECT, that yeah. was my biggest challenge. How do I break this apathy and make education valuable to this child who doesn't see education as valuable? And how did you overcome that as an ACT? Was it through training or you just had to create your own coping mechanisms or? Elements of both. Um, I was very fortunate um, to have attended quite a number of training. As you said, CPD around behavior happens every single year. Mm -hmm. um, but I also attached myself to teachers who modeled good behavior in the school. So one of the things I learned was routines, establishing routines. Um, it sounds so simple, but it's one of those quick win tickets that one, once you have a routine in place, you've won half the battle. So yeah. the children know exactly what to expect when they come into your classroom. It takes a while to establish. It yeah. takes a while for your students to understand you and for you to understand your students and even for you to co-create the, exp the expectations of the classroom. But mm -hmm. once that is established, you have that rapport with the students where you can say, this is how we do things. 
Yeah. They understand where you're coming from and then it's easier for them to adjust their behavior because they know exactly what it is that you expect. And in saying that, it's that transparency, that, that transparency of expectations. Um, as adults, as we grow, we learn to read the room mm-hmm. and we learn to pick out those hidden meanings. Um, we often underestimate how much children can't do that. Yeah. And so that explicit nature of or expectations in the classroom. I don't know if you remember this, Michelle, but every September, your first lesson, I remember being told as an ECT is, your first lesson with every single class must be expectations, 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 expectations. Uh And you would go through these expectations. But if truth be told, as an ECT, those expectations probably didn't last for very long because you're battling with a lot of other things that are pulling your attention. And so you forget these list of five expectations that you'd put up on the board. Exactly. That first day, you know, and and then that breaks that routine. And like you said, it breaks that trust, you know, because this is what you said, but you're not doing it, you know. So I think for me, it became more than just a frivolous task where, at the beginning, I'm saying these are my five expectations. I've learned to actually talk with the children, get to know the children, and yeah. then we create our expectations for a classroom. And so it's not me doing to you, it's us yeah. doing it together. So creating that sense of community, but you are a valuable part of my community. I'm not here um, telling you. I'm, it's it's both of us and we're doing it together. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much, Koshi. A lot to unpick there, but let me just pause and welcome Osophoba and I think Nathan, who just joined us. Thank you so much for joining in. Please send us your questions or share with us your own experiences. So Koshi, some things I've picked up from what you've said, um, which I think are really valuable. One is establishing routines. And I'm really... Uh, keen on that as well and that's something I practice that's something I encourage members of my department to practice as well and for me the routine begins on the corridor I'm at the door I'm waiting to welcome you it's so important you know just to greet them welcome them you know always try to do this with a smile but uh, I must confess it depends on the previous lesson yes (laughs) (laughs) I mean this is so funny because I remember at this um, in a London secondary school Mm-hmm. I my first year of teaching so this was my NQT year um oh we don't do NQTs anymore my first ECT year yeah. and I had we we taught it was a boys school and a girls school but as one school yeah and we taught the classes separately so I'd have a year nine boys class and then I had a year nine girls class mm-hmm. and the year nine girls class, the, the year nine boys class was extremely challenging. And the year nine girls class, they would come in and they would say, Miss Velvet, it's okay. We'll clean up the classroom, we'll get the desk straight, and you just take a breather, miss. And they would literally come in because, as I said, over time, I was at the door, I was greeting them, but they knew. 
yeah. that the boys were challenging. I didn't need to tell them because they were in the same school with these boys. They just come in and they go, okay, miss, it's fine. They have to tell the classroom and we will get the room ready so we can start our lesson. <laughs> and that was so precious. And what you just said just really reminded me of that. The classes yeah. that you teach do massively affect your mood welcoming a class in. Yeah. And, and we just have to try to put that one aside and welcome the other students as if it's a fresh start and yeah. you know, yeah, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you're excited to see them, which we are, but we just always have to try to put that other class behind. My students will come in and they will know straight away, oh no, you know, they go, you okay, miss? Is everything good? Because <laughs> yeah, they, they could tell. And I just have to remember, right, this is a fresh group yeah. and we are going to treat them accordingly. So but routine. Isn't there, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Kosha. Isn't there something beautiful in that humanity though? Yes. Because adults, I think, and, and we do it as parents, and we do it whenever we're dealing with children inadvertently we try to present that we've got it all together yeah and i think there's something powerful in saying and modeling that do you know what i don't have it all together that was really tough but i value you enough that i am going to take that minute and i'm going to gather myself together and then we're going to go for it again you know because I value you as a class and I'm still going to try and bring as much of my best self as I can to your lesson, even though I had that difficult lesson. I'm not pretending that lesson, difficult lesson didn't happen or that I'm not in a fragile state. I'm owning yeah. it, I'm accepting this, but I'm also modeling to you that that doesn't need to determine yeah, the totally agree. of our lesson. Totally, totally agree. Um, because you know, it's the hidden curriculum, and they yeah. they learn so much from our behavior yeah. and our response to things, which I'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, they learn so much from that as well. You know, if Miss is having a tough day, how is she handling it? Yeah, and, and yeah, and they learn from that. So it's so important that yeah, we, we do because you know what, students don't think we're normal human beings anyway. They're shocked to see you in the shopping center. Yeah, they're shocked. <laughs> they're shocked to see you at the beach. Like, I've oh, got a story around that one. Um, mm -hmm. I remember being in high school, and one of my teachers got pregnant, mm -hmm. and I wasn't even in year seven or eight. I think I was probably in year nine, and I was so shocked. I was like, "Miss, how are you pregnant? Yeah, how did this happen? What do you yeah. mean you're pregnant? <laughs> you're normal." <laughs> exactly you don't you know? do things like that well, I, I genuinely remember being so baffled and she actually looked at me and she went how should do you actually think i sleep in at school and i had to yeah. stop and think about that question because i i didn't actually think she slept at school but the concept of a teacher having a life exactly outside right. of school was very foreign mm -hmm. i totally agree and even today Students are shocked to learn yeah. uh, that you have a family yeah. and you do go home yeah. <laughs> and you're not sleeping in a cupboard at school. Yeah. So that's interesting. So it's very important that they understand that we are humans too. Yeah. Another thing you mentioned was in terms of managing behavior is having high expectations. What does that look like for you in the classroom and how has that really influenced behavior in your experience? Having high expectations, it's like climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> it really is. Um, I have what I call standards. Um, and 
I expect you to take pride in your work. I don't expect you to get everything perfect. I don't expect you to get everything right. But I expect you to put your best effort in. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to meet you where you are. Just the same way I can have a bad lesson and yeah. need a moment. I also understand that, do you know what? You might have had a bad lesson. You might have had a bad morning if it's period one. Um, let's communicate with each other. Yeah. So I expect you to communicate with me. Um, if you don't feel comfortable telling me in front of the class, I'm happy for us to have a code. Yeah. That yeah. you show me the code or you do the action we've agreed and we know what the next step is. But my expectations, I expect you to be honest with me. I expect you to communicate with me and I expect you to put effort into your work. And I expect you to take pride in your work. Those are my non-negotiables mm -hmm. in the classroom. Um, because I think it's important to have realistic expectations. When I say that I expect you to do your best work, I'm not saying I expect you to get 100% or even 50%. I'm expecting that where you are right now, that you're putting in the effort to try. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's having those expectations but at the student's starting point. Yes. And being realistic about it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Very, very important. And um, some lovely takeaways there for us. It doesn't matter where we are in our careers. That, that's so important. Welcome, Jamelia. We hope to hear how you behaved in school. Charlie, you as well. And how uh, your teachers dealt with that. Because we all have stories to tell. Um, so, Kosia, how do you think behavior has changed? Uh, over the years and what do you think are some of the underlying factors for those changes if you think that it's changed that, that that's a very loaded question yeah um, has pupil behavior changed significantly because you've been years? teaching for 10 years yes what are your observations are, are students less compliant are we battling with other things that are impacting on behavior what do you think um all of the above Mm -hmm. Students are less compliant. I think that's what we see in the classroom is very much a microcosm of society. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we're thinking about schools, we think about it outside of the context of the society that it is in. It is in. Mm -hmm. And if we think about society in general, I mean, just walking on the street, we know that there's a shift in cultures from 10 years ago to what it is today. And I think as a society, um, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be very cliche now, is that with the advent of social media, we've become very insular. Yeah. And we've become very self-focused. So we're slowly losing the ability to think about the impact of our actions on others or to see the worth in thinking about our actions on others. Mm -hmm. And as a result we interpret everything from our perspective. Um, and you will, how that translates into the classroom, um, children aren't able to empathize, empathize with fellow students. And so you find more conflicts okay. in, in the classroom. And these conflicts tend to escalate pretty quickly. Um, you also find that parents are now very much, this is my child, I do what I want to do with my child. And there, there's 
stricter boundaries in what parents are expecting from teachers now within okay. the classroom. I remember a few years ago, you could call home and children would be afraid of the fact yeah. that you were going to call home. Mm -hmm. um, I remember being terrified <laughs> of getting a phone call home. But mm -hmm. I think that is less and less impactful now. Um, I find that parents themselves are really struggling. And oftentimes when you do call home, um, parents also don't know what to do. So that power that parents used to have, I, I don't think power is the right word, but... Um, the authority. The authority that parents had over children 10 years ago is is a whole lot seems to be a whole lot less now um so what do you think is the contributing factor then why why have parents kind of lost the reign that they once had on their children for want of a better word what do you think could have been the influence there i think there's a lot of adultification in society Mm -hmm. And children are exposed to a lot of things. I think the concept of childhood has changed massively. Um, mm -hmm. Childhood used to represent a period of innocence and a period of finding self. So yeah. now childhood has been blurred. And with so much information being available at the click of a finger to young people now, their brains are having to process information that they shouldn't need to process. So the lines between childhood and adulthood is blurry. Mm -hmm. And so when a child is now talking to an adult, there is not delineation. There's not that delineation that actually we're not the same. They, yeah. they, they do see themselves as an equal as an equal to you you know mm -hmm. i have rights i am this which they do mm -hmm. but that becomes um a challenge not miss this is this is what i feel mm -hmm. or this is what i think it becomes i demand yeah to be listened to um you've also got our culture today where the Amazon culture, where if we want something, we just order it. It's created in us, not just the children. Yeah. Sense of um, entitlement. Uh -huh. And when we want something, we want it now. Um, education is not, a, you do something today, you've got it. It's a process. And we're getting less and less comfortable yeah. with going through a process and demanding things right away so again that value of mm -hmm. learning is shifting you mm -hmm. know the way yeah. we see learning because we can watch a tiktok video in 30 seconds why are you talking so much yeah you know? or any of these easily easy to access yeah. uh, platforms yeah on social media okay. yes so I've, I've been teaching for uh, 30 years. And um, so clearly I've seen the transition over the years. And for me, what stands out is that our students are more comfortable these days to challenge the teacher. Yeah. We, 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 we didn't try that back in the day. We <laughs> no. revered our teachers. We yeah. looked at our teachers. We were almost called fountains of knowledge. <laughs> fountains of knowledge and godlike figures. We did yeah. not. Now they will challenge you. Today, for example, 
I, I was telling my year 10 students, uh, I was actually barking orders, <laughs> stand behind your chairs, wait for the bell. They all want to get out uh, before time. And so I was saying, tuck your chairs in, stand behind your chairs and wait for me to dismiss you. And then a number of the boys decided to salute me and started to stand at attention. <laughs> <laughs> and that almost disarmed me because to be honest, I, I wanted to giggle, but I tried to pretend to be just as serious. And after they left, I had a little laugh, you know, they were going, okay, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I wouldn't have tried that as a student. So I find that um, they're a little bit more brazen and even yeah. as early as year seven, year seven oh, students. Year sevens used to be so angels. Kids. Mm -hmm. they, they used to, year sevens, you could identify them in the school yeah. just by looking at them, not anymore. No. And I'm actually going to talk about that. Um, I, I had that for later, but since we've mentioned it, because I remember in schools, there was a strict hierarchy amongst students. Yeah. You knew that your sixth form students had the authority over yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Your sevens were at the bottom of the rung and they were, as yeah. you said, timid and shy and well-behaved. Yeah. Do you think, and you know, cliche again, we're going back, but do you think the pandemic and the bubbles helped to kind of remove these uh, stratified systems in our schools amongst our pupils. Do you think the bubble um, allowed your sevens to create their own hierarchy? What do you think? I definitely think there's been some creation of a new hierarchy. <laughs> in fact, I think hierarchies in schools are just being challenged. Um, you'll have your sevens now challenging a year 11 student. Oh yeah which previously was unheard of. You mm -hmm. know, they wouldn't even go where the year 11s go in the playground, much less to challenge them. Um, would I blame the pandemic? The pandemic certainly has contributed to it, but I think the pandemic um, sped up a process that was already in place. Okay. Um, I think socialization is breaking down and that's one of the things where we see is it necessarily a negative thing not in itself okay. but i think there is there is a lot to be said about respect mm -hmm. um but there is also something to be said about being able to voice your opinion but i think what's been lost is the how how do i speak my mind um say what i want to say but do so with respect um and, and that is where the hierarchy has really blurred, where there is no, I mean, particularly in my current school, there is no hierarchy. We've got year 11s who appear like the year 7s and the year 7s who are, you know, kind of the boss. Mm. Um, definitely the year 9s are the top group. Yeah. The school that we keep an eye on. Yeah. And traditionally, year nine seem to be that year group where we struggle the most, where they're trying to find themselves yeah. and yeah, and trying to you know, establish themselves and transition. And that's usually the tricky year and you've got to win them over immediately. Um, so recently I had that experience and uh, based on where I am, you would never believe it. But I saw a young lady challenging some year 11 students and I thought she was also in year 11. 
Turns oh, wow. out she's a year eight student and boy, she wasn't backing down. And I'm talking about getting physical as well. So, you know, yeah. So those lines were blurred completely. And who's really the senior students? We, you know, that, that's not very obvious anymore. And that's just some of the things I've observed over the years. I also agree with you, Kosha, that uh, parental expectations as well and their ability to manage their own children i mean that is also on the decline i've been yeah. to i've I had so many parents evening where parents say to me miss yeah. hines what, what do i do yeah what do i do mm -hmm. having been a year leader I, I often had to sit down with parents and create support plans for them at home you know and and have discussions about parenting strategies and I mean, I'm, I'm a year leader. Yes, I manage your child um, at school, but some, some parents, you literally had to hold their hands mm -hmm. with parenting at home as well. Yeah. And, and they really look to us, you know, yeah. they really do. And they genuinely want to know, miss, how can you help, sir? What can yeah. I do? It is the same at home. What can I do um, to, to, support my child and to help them to be the best person the best version of themselves so it is a challenge not just for us in the classroom and for me what i do uh, yeah high expectations these are the boundaries uh, these are my expectations yeah. this is how you speak to me this is how i'll speak to you and i always tell them i will give you utmost respect i expect you to give it back yeah yeah, yeah. And it's just winning that trust. And believe it or not, it's doing things like making sure you mark their work. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, Miss does value what yeah. I do. And that helps with the behavior as well. So it is so important that, you know, that we also model the expectations that we want. Absolutely. Be on time for your lessons. Um, you know, at the moment, you know, you, it's something that's so important. We have to be on time as well because we can't tell them to be on time. Yeah. Then we, we are three, two, three minutes late to our lessons. So it's these little things. And for me over the years, it's that mutual respect. And Absolutely. so I, I have students now who are adults and that level of respect is still there because yeah. of what I gave to them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes we say these things and, and you might have other teachers say, but what about if I'm teaching on a different site or I'm teaching across the hall or, you know, and I've got a long way to get back to the classroom, the bell goes and I'm expected to be there. And, and I always challenge that by saying, but that's the same expectation for the children. You know, yep. they're expected to be there. And I, I, I spoke, I was honest with my children. There was a time when I, we had to do lineups. And I might be, as a year lead, I might be running late from a meeting, you know. But what I always say to them is, I, I was transparent with them. I would say, right, class, I've got a meeting before your lesson. If the yeah. meeting overruns and I'm running a bit late, I will communicate this with another teacher who will come and pick you up. Or if I was lucky enough to have a TA in the class, I would communicate that with the TA. I would make sure that I've set up work and they knew what this work was. Yeah. So when they arrived in the classroom, they could start that work. If yeah. I, I'm going to be a couple of minutes late, that was a routine that I got into. So they knew. I would say to them, if I'm not here by this time, then you make your way to the classroom. Okay? Yeah. So it's that transparency and it's that communicating with the class and with the children. 
Is it ideal? No. Would I have loved to have been there all the time? Yes, I would. But because of the nature of my job, it meant that things could be unpredictable. Yeah. But I also needed to ensure that they didn't think that unpredictability was me being tardy or me transgressing the rules because I'm the adult in the equation. But I'm not making excuses. I'm trying to create a solution that we all still get that best out of our classroom experience. Yeah, thank you. That's so important. Communicating with our students and yeah, letting them understand because they will understand. Uh, But if you just do it without any explanation, then the complaints will come in. Thank you so much, Coach. We're going to take a short break so you can get some water. And listeners, please, let's hear what you have to say. What were you like in school? And uh, those of you who are teachers online, tell us some of the challenges you're experiencing as well so that we know that we're not in this alone. So stay tuned and over to our sponsors. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. So remember to check out both things and uh, and do share with us how you get on. Welcome back. And thanks again, Kosha, for your insightful comments and all that you're sharing with us. I'm sure some people are listening and they're uh, making notes of things that they could use as well to make uh, behavior management better in their practice. Um, So Koshu, I'm aware that you are currently working in an AP school. I'd like you to share with us some of the behavior challenges you've experienced in this setting uh, in comparison to mainstream. Are they the same or have you noticed any difference? I think they're the same. Um, mm-hmm. The difference, however, is that because we in in a mainstream school in a classroom of thirty, you might have one or two students who would be classified as a behavior challenge. I mean, the rest of the class might have the low level behavior and mm-hmm. the silliness that might come in a classroom. Um, where I am now, your entire class is those two students. Yeah. So things can seem catastrophized um, mm-hmm. and much bigger than they are. But I think the behaviors are the same. The difference is how we deal with them and the support that is available um, for the students. One of the biggest things that I've learned now being in AP for the time that I have been is that every behavior is communication yeah 
it's something so important to keep at the forefront of your mind and sometimes you might need to step away and come come back you know to remind yourself of that but no child is being difficult just to be difficult okay every child that displays any kind of behavior in front of you saying something and i think as professionals we need to be curious and we need to wonder what is this behavior um telling me so that's the biggest difference in my approach to behavior is the behaviors the same i would say yes okay but i experience them on a larger scale but it's my approach that has changed that's made it more manageable so do you think mainstream teachers are given enough quality training to deal with behavior or do you think no. we quit immediately and just pass them on um elements of both okay do you quit immediately because you don't care i don't think so mm -hmm. do you quit immediately because you're not equipped potentially do you quit immediately because um there are so many other things pulling your attention. Um, there, there are many ways that we can see that, but I do think a lot of the training that I've received since moving into AP, had I been trained in that in mainstream, I would have been a way more effective teacher and a way more effective head of year. Mm. I mean, something, I, 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 it is a buzzword that's going around right now, but it's powerful being trauma informed okay got children we've got a, a pandemic of vaping now in yeah. schools we've got a pandemic of children being exposed to drug use mm -hmm. um, of since the lockdown we've got a rising poverty um in mainstream i didn't often think about the impact of that on a child I mean, the fact that this child is going to come into my classroom and their parents genuinely may not have had any money to provide them with breakfast or dinner. Yeah. And then I'm going to expect this child to come into the classroom and to perform exactly as every other child is performing in the classroom that had a good greeting this morning, was told that they're amazing and I love you and have a wonderful day and know that they'll go home tonight and they're safe. What happens yeah. when a child doesn't feel safe? And that safety might not be physical abuse. That safety could be, I know I'm going to go into school today. I don't really understand what the teacher is teaching me. The teacher is then going to call home and I'm going to get into trouble because my parents are going to be disappointed and shout at me, yeah. you know. But to be curious behind what is this child communicating with me? Um, in mainstream, sometimes we're less playful than we can be. Um, we take, and, and I'm, I say we, thinking mm -hmm. about myself in mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, we can take a lot of these behaviors personally. Um, I didn't take it personally as in it was addressed towards me, but it was often, right, you've broken the rule straight to sanction. Yeah. You know, and now sometimes I'll just get playful. I've, I've got, I remember there's a student, um, really difficult home life, and he had a bad morning. And he came to my classroom and just sat on, on the desk. Yeah. And, you know, and 
it was like, miss, I'm not doing any work today because I don't want to do any work. Life is da 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 I was mm-hmm. like, okay, it's fine. And, you know, we did for the first part of the lesson. We put some music on and we had a karaoke session. Wow. And by the end of the karaoke session, his mood has switched. And he was just like, do you know what, miss? You're so silly, you know, because during the karaoke session, I was singing out loud. I was dancing with them. And then... Once the mood in the classroom had shifted, then we moved on to learning. Um, You might not have the opportunity to do a karaoke session in mainstream, but is there element of playfulness that you can bring in? Um, You've worked with these students, you know these students. Um, What do you know from your relationship that you can use to just switch the mood rather than get off the table, et cetera, et cetera? let's be curious and find out what is actually going on with this child. Um, Another instance, one of my most amazing students, really difficult home life. Again, as I said, we have the two students by many. Yeah. And she came to my door and knocked my door. Now in, in my AP, the doors are all locked. So you need teachers to, to allow you entrance and exits. And she came to the door. I She was late. I was already settling the class. And she knocked on the door. And because the class were doing their work, I was speaking with a student. And I allowed her to wait for just a while. She stormed off. <laughs> and she self-referred herself to our behavior room. Yeah. And I kind of got the class going and so forth. And then asked a TA to just stay with my class for a moment. Then I went up to the behavior room and I went through the door. She was like, oh, you're coming to tell me off as well. I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. And I went, no, I'm not. I'm coming to see how you are. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Went, no, I'm not. I'm not okay. Da-da-da. And I went, I'm, I'm really in pain and da-da-da. And she was kind of nice. Like, I understand. I understand. Um, You don't need to come back to listen, but... We're going to start annotating the poem. And yeah. she's got this con- um, competition with another student in the classroom. And I said, I know how upset you'd be if this student got ahead of you. Um, so I thought I'd just come and make sure everything's okay with you um, and to see if you wanted to come back and, and get the annotations done. Because I know you don't like being behind. And I know that when we're going to be writing about the poem, you're going to be very disappointed that you you miss this lesson. And she was like, oh, so have they started annotating already? I said, yes, so by the time we get down, they would have finished the first stanza. And she was like, all right, fine. <laughs> and she came into the classroom and she sat there and she did her work. Yeah. Now, had I been in mainstream, would I have approached it that way? No, I wouldn't because I wouldn't. I think I see the children more now than I did then, having gone through all the trauma-informed training that I have, I am more willing to think about my goal rather Mm -hmm. than think about the behavior. You know, my goal is to help this child access the work rather than how dare you storm off. You're in, you've self-referred to the behavior room. I'll come to you after school and we'll have a con. No, let's go. Yeah. This is not normal behavior for you. Mm -hmm. So let me go and check on you. Um, And and those are just two instances where compassion came into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bit of playfulness came into play. You know, I, a little bit of acceptance. I accepted 
that you're having a bad day. I didn't expect you to shift and pretend to be what's not happening. I accepted you where you are. Yeah. But I still kept my expectations, you know, and I gave you space. But I always say to my kids, this is a transaction, you know, so I, I will give a little. I expect you to give me something back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the things I'm I'm gathering from here is being trauma informed and you're right in mainstream schools. We're not necessarily uh, informed on that level. Well, let me just pause and say welcome to Roderick. And I know somebody else joined as well. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. And do send us your uh, questions or your comments. Uh, Join in the discussion, please. It's after all, it's Teachers Talk Radio. Um, so, of course, another thing you mentioned is uh, that the behavior is a communication. They're communicating something, and it's important that we get to the root of that. You mentioned being more playful, um, but I'm sure you're, you, you know, you've taught in mainstream for years that it is more difficult to be yeah. playful. So when a student kicks off in our mainstream classroom, um, often we have to avoid it becoming a form of entertainment because trust me, the other kids love it and they're waiting to hear Mrs. Reaction or Sarah's reaction so that they can sit back and uh, have their proverbial popcorn and enjoy, okay? So um, in in mainstream, I guess there are other ways that we can probably uh, deal with that. And that is not joining in the rant, not shouting louder than the student and just to make sure that we keep them calm within the environment and that brings me to talking about sanctions welcome killian welcome welcome uh thank you for joining please send us any comments you want on behavior whether it was yourself or that you've experienced in the classroom as a teacher so you know we over the years we've had to devise sanctions and various sanctions and we talked about being raised in the caribbean where teachers used the belt okay um to suppress and and to drive fear in our hearts I was speaking to some colleagues today, Kosha and listeners, and they said uh, things that they experienced was no lunch because of bad behavior. Um, One colleague mentioned, she went to an all girls Catholic school and she said they had to kneel um, for their skirt lengths to be checked um, or being left alone in the assembly hall or stand in the corner uh, or have golden time removed, Friday detentions, morning community service, you name it. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, these measures are effective from, from what you've seen, from what you've witnessed? Do you think these are, you know, are, are effective measures for students, denying them lunch, community service, standing in a corner? Any impact? What do you think? Um, if I could just backtrack a bit and then I'll come to this question, um, yeah. um, to what you were saying about playfulness. Um, playfulness has its place, but like everything, it's not suitable for every situation. You cannot be playful with a child that is being angry or aggressive. Yeah, They will definitely need that, take that calm down time. And you definitely can't be playful with a child you don't have a relationship with. Um, yeah. So before you can do that, you need to have that relationship. Um, but in relation to sanctions, I think with sanctions, it's the heart behind it that is most important. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember using the community service and I was very explicit as to what it was for. If you made a mess of the canteen by play fighting, play fighting with your friends with food, Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting the canteen staff to clean that up. You clean that up. 
because mm-hmm. you made the mess. And in the process, you'll also apologize to the canteen staff because my intention, and I'm explicit with this, is that we're learning respect for our environment and respect for people who work in those environment. Um, do they work? I saw, I saw, I saw it work. Um, you do have the punitive ones like kneeling down mm-hmm. and um, standing in a corner, etc. And I, I often question, were those really to curb the behavior or to embarrass the student? Yeah. Many sanctions are designed to create embarrassment and to make an example of rather mm-hmm. than to correct the behavior or to address the root cause of the behavior. Um, it's, it's amazing how many students come into my AP with undiagnosed speech, language, and communication needs. Yeah. Oftentimes that tantrum, that shouting, etc. it's purely because that child genuinely does not understand how to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. It might be something as simple as, it might not even be SLCN, but that's how they communicate at home and that's what's acceptable. Yeah. Home. And so it's reteaching the child. So by putting them in a corner, and saying stay in the assembly room next assembly they'll probably do the same thing because will they understand what it is that they were being punished for and why Mm -hmm. so it's important for us as teachers to be informed and to understand what is being communicated based on that behavior because you're right when we have 30 uh children sitting in front of us it is difficult to then you know give that one child that special attention but i think if we're being informed a little bit more through the the nature of CPDs, and I think a lot of the things we could actually avoid before it escalates. And this de-escalation is so important. Yeah. And and that's where a little playfulness could come in. If a child is upset by something they think you meant by what you said, you Mm -hmm. can use humor and you can de-escalate that. Yeah. You know, there as well. And I also think that in the grand scheme of things, when we, we become child-centered and child-focused, mm-hmm. it shifts our perspective and it shifts the lens that we see things through. Because with a class of 30, we might not be able to address it immediately. And the best thing to do might be to have that child removed. Yeah, Because there yeah. are 29 other children that need to get on with their education. But what happens next? Mm-hmm is the most important we don't need to address everything immediately in fact it is better not to address things immediately because that child will not be listening to you because of heightened emotion but once you've removed that child you've said to that child i don't want you you are not welcome in this classroom is that what you want that child to be thinking and feeling yeah how do you then deal with that do you go and speak with the child yeah do you yeah. go and reconnect, you know, repair that relationship that is fractured? Or do we ignore it and uh, behave yes. childlike ourselves and go, right, I am going to blank you for the rest of the yep. time you are in this classroom? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes important because if you, let's be frank, if this was your own child or if this was somebody you were in a relationship with, they don't do something to hurt you. And then you just leave it there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have that dialogue because 
you want that repair to happen. Yeah. Oftentimes, and people will say, but this is a job. This is not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a parent. I'm not in a relationship with them. Um, this we is- are, though. We well, are, we yeah. Are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we are shaping the next generation. And mm-hmm. we're teachers. And we're not just teaching our subjects. We're teaching them how to be human beings. We're mm-hmm. teaching them how to be citizens. You know, and as you said earlier, our actions speak a lot louder than what our voices say. Definitely. Uh, welcome, Philip. Thank you so much, Kosha, and uh, we'll continue the discussion. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for joining. Good to have you, and I hope you can take something away from tonight's discussion as well. Um, yes, Kosha, and that's so important. I, I remember in my early career um, years, one of my head teachers said, in order to maintain some kind of sanity in the classroom or to make sure that the students remain calm, be vigilant as a teacher, be alert, spot the issue before it becomes an issue. So I would always, you know, eyes and ears open just to see where something is bubbling somewhere um, and, 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 and address it immediately before it becomes a full-blown fight. Yeah. So important. And in my 30 years, I think I've only had two fights, one between best friends and one between two boys who it just happened so quickly, Kosha. I had no time. And and uh, those of you who know me, I try not to go between these uh, students because by the time they leave year seven, they're all towering over me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't take the risk, but I always get the others. I'm like, come on, come on, break this up, break this up. But... It's worked for me over the years. I can see when something is bubbling and then I can intervene immediately. And, and so it's so important that we, you know, circulate the room and see, take, do a temperature check, see what's happening before it escalates. And just listening to you, Coach, I can hear the, the empathy and the compassion that's coming through. And I think as educators, that's what we need. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes the behavior is a cry for help. Absolutely. And we have to step back. Don't take it personally. Don't go, you know, she speaks to me like this all the time. It's just because it's me. No, that is sometimes a real cry for help. And it's so important that we do understand that. Whether we're in mainstream or we're in AP schools, we have to take a step back and see these children as human beings, that they hurt. You know, Koshi, you mentioned... Um, the impact of poverty and we, we the kids come and we expect everybody to be the same and we don't even think that there's a kid sitting there who didn't have breakfast that morning or dinner or dinner yeah you know in my current setting uh we, we don't have that really in terms of poverty but what we do have and i'm in dubai what we do have um are children who lack the attention yeah from parents because yeah. they working. have a nanny and they have a driver. But when you see them with their nannies, there's no communication. The nannies are on their phones, the kids are doing their own thing. And that's some of the things we're struggling with. So when they do come to school, they seek more attention. Yeah, yeah, they want to get your attention because they're not getting that. Um, We're going to take a short break now for the news. And then when we come back, Kosha, in our final round, I want you to think of an example or share an example of a time when your approach to a behavior issue was not effective. How did you reflect on it? And what adjustments did you make? So 
we're now going to listen to the news. Please stay tuned. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A £1,000 cash incentive and a campaign to raise the profile of childcare workers in England has been launched as part of a recruitment drive. According to the BBC, thousands of extra nursery workers and childminders are needed as the government plan to expand funded hours begins. The Department for Education says that more than 100,000 working parents of two-year-olds have already registered for the April rollout. However, early years charities say the campaign to recruit is too late. By September 2025, all eligible preschool children of working parents from the age of nine months will be able to access 30 hours of term time childcare. Research suggests that the number of childcare providers is currently falling as childminders leave the role, although the number of places remains roughly stable. Data suggests that almost 28,000 early years specialists will be needed to meet the rise in demand, an expansion of 8%. The BBC also reports that staff at Scotland's exam body will take strike action at the end of February over a pay dispute. Around 400 workers will stage two 24-hour stoppages and the action will also include an overtime ban, a ban on weekend working and a ban on accruing time off in lieu. The union said the industrial action would have a major impact on the SQA's ability to prepare for exam season. But the SQA itself said it had contingency plans in place and that the strike would not have any impact at all. The Herald in Scotland also reports on calls from some quarters to raise the school starting age. A motion filed by the Glasgow Kelvin MSP calls for a national conversation on early years education and argues that a new approach could help tackle Scotland's long-standing educational attainment gap. The proposal to raise the starting age secured cross-party support in less than 24 hours. It's not the first time that the SNP have called for an increase in the starting age for pupils, but with recent concerns that the school system in Scotland is not helping to close the gap between disadvantaged pupils and their non-disadvantaged peers, the plans have appeared again. Under the plans, children would start school at six rather than four or five, and a kindergarten stage for three to six-year-olds would be introduced, increasing the amount of early years education by 12 months, replacing primary one. The kindergarten stage would focus on learning through play, Full details of the proposal can be read online in a variety of media outlets. Finally, Schools Week covers demands from the University of Cambridge to delay the new teacher training framework. The University has said it lacks confidence in the new framework and suggests a delay of at least a year. The initial teacher training and early career framework or ITT-ECF was unveiled by the Department for Education at the start of February. The ITT-ECF will combine and replace the currently separate ITT core content and the ECF from September 2025. The University called for the change to be implemented no sooner than September 2026, if at all. 
This would allow for further consultation, it says, and revision as the new framework was just a tweak on the current one and was a wasted opportunity. The education faculty at Cambridge also claims that the framework sets unclear and contradictory objectives for ITT providers. In the longer term, the university says a framework should be developed and led by a non-party political cross-sector expert team. The new framework has already divided opinions in the school's community and many have taken to social media to express concerns. The Department for Education have declined to comment. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This show. Thank you so much, Joe. And uh, I need to do some research. And this is for a whole nother show. I didn't realize that they were changing the teacher training I didn't know um, framework. But we won't talk about that tonight. <laughs> I need to go and read up about that. Um, welcome back, everybody. And Kosia, thank you for sticking around. And in our last few minutes, uh, if you could do some reflection for us and give us an example of a time when your approach to behavior wasn't that effective and how did you reflect and what adjustments did you make? I've thought about it while listening to the news and I've chosen to tell you about an issue I'm still dealing with because I think sometimes when we have these conversations, um, listeners or those to whom we're speaking may position us as experts and you know that we we have quick wins and we get things sorted out very quickly there's a particular young lady i've got a shared class so i see them once for the week mm -hmm. and um the first lesson that i had to teach them she flat out refused to do anything I asked her to do in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I stuck to my guns. I'm setting expectations. Um, please log on. Did the repetition, repetition, repetition. And she insisted on doing what she wanted. She got in the teacher's seat and was just transgressing every possible rule you could think about mm -hmm. in the classroom. And so I had to get um, the behavior team in. And they eventually managed to remove her from the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and she just held on to that. And she would see me in the corridor and she would have, I just to reiterate, I teach in an AP. Mm -hmm. And she would just have the most vile things to say, you know, okay. call me all the names under the sun. Mm -hmm. Completely unprovoked, just on the corridor. I, I initially tried the restorative, um, having a meeting after school to have a chat with her. It wasn't working. Um, mm -hmm. She clearly wasn't ready to listen. Um, so I ignored her. I did tactical ignoring. So when she would throw these comments at me on the card, I would record them on our behavior system, but I would ask for them not to be addressed. And I wouldn't address it with her either. Okay. And it got to the point where I had, she realized that I'm not having an impact. And then I was doing something on the, I was walking down the corridor mm -hmm. and she said to me, oh, Kosha, you look very pretty today. Almost collapsed. Mm -hmm. and, and just did a complete double take, like, who's speaking yeah. to me? I was mm -hmm. like, oh. 
thank you you know mm-hmm. and then another day a student spilled some water and i got the mop and i was mopping the water up and she was oh miss would you like me to mop the water up wow so you want her over child mm-hmm. you know and we got along for a while um and then she we had another lesson she was having a bad day and she she again wasn't following instructions and so i had to have her removed from the class and we're back to that point so i'm back to tactically ignoring her i'm not not speaking to her now but i'm standing my ground but what i wanted to share was that the ta when she went out with the ta she actually said to the ta that kosha doesn't like me and i know kosha doesn't like me mm-hmm. you know and so it made me reflect on myself and think how have i handled this situation where her takeaway from this is that i don't like her and so rather than addressing the behavior now my tactic is going to be how do i reassure her that i actually do like you but I need in for us for us all to be safe in the classroom. I need us to follow some basic expectations. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to share that story because sometimes the journey isn't clear cut. It's not okay. I've administered a strategy and then everything's perfect. Yeah. And you know we just get on with it. Sometimes it ebbs and flows. And sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board and sometimes you have to keep changing the strategies. But ultimately, if we remain child-centered, we're always reflecting and we're always questioning, what can I do differently? How can I repair this? How do I most importantly make this child feel wanted? Because this is a child that is homeless. Mm -hmm. And so rejection is a major thing for her. Little did I know that what I was doing in the classroom was reinforcing that rejection. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we have to be mindful and we have to be so aware in even the way we speak to them as well and uh, or immediate reaction to situations. As you're saying here, you just made sure to step back and then that child was able to open up and, you know, just do those two two little things. But it meant a lot in in repairing that relationship. I mean, I, I am so reflective and some days after my lessons i go back and i think mm, yeah. maybe i shouldn't shout uh, shouldn't have shouted at that child maybe yeah. i i shouldn't have engaged in that discussion immediately in the classroom uh, maybe i should have left it and just speak to them now recently uh, one particular boy who able student and i think was placed in the wrong set and as a result of that he was really acting up because i for that particular group i have to go at a slower pace yeah and I checked his reading age, which was 17, and he's a 15-year-old. And I oh. thought, right, exactly. Uh, so then I realized that historically he's been put in the lower set because of his behavior. Mm. And so he would constantly challenge me, and uh, he would challenge the things that I expect of them, like not leaving every second asking to go use the toilet and all those things. Yeah. Because I say to him, you don't really need the toilet. You just don't want to do the work. And... Um, constantly, you know, I would be addressing it there and then. And so I decided that I would move him to another class. And I said, you know what, you should go up a set because you're more able. 
I might have done that out of a little bit of anger because I like, right, enough is enough. <laughs> You're going to move up and go to where you belong and maybe you'll behave yourself. I didn't tell him that. He just turned up the next day and found out he was moving up. Mm -hmm. uh, so this happened. And the following day, I was on break duty. I was teaching um, five periods out of a six-period day and I was really thirsty. I ran upstairs, tried to get myself a drink. And there was this said boy. He saw me. He said, Miss, are you thirsty? And he was uh, at the front of the queue. And he said, don't worry, Miss. I'll get you this. Uh, I'll get you some water. And I was giving him my card. He said, no, Miss, I've got you. And oh. he got me the water. And I said, why have you done that? He said, Miss, because I, I know you cared. And I know you want the best for me. And I haven't been the best in your class. And I'm really sorry. And that really touched my heart. Because, yeah, yeah initially, I was being so draconian. I but there he showed me his own heart yeah. and his own compassion. And he saw his teacher in need and he responded immediately. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's so important that we do take a step back and, yeah. um, and, and we really see them for who they are. We've only got a few more minutes left, believe it or not, Kosha and listeners. So, Kosha, if you could um, give us one takeaway or what, it doesn't have to be one. If you could give us a takeaway in terms of handling behavior and managing behavior, what would it be? Of all be things professionally said, curious and remain child focused. Mm -hmm. um, curious and child focused. Yeah. Yeah. What, what it? What is this behavior saying to me? How can I repair? And what is going on with this child? Thank you. And for me as well, Kosha is having the humility as the adult to yeah. also say sorry. Yes, very important. Yeah. When when I say to a student, uh, stop the talking, and then they go, Miss, actually, it wasn't me. And then their neighbor will say, Miss, that was actually me. I say sorry. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if I misunderstand something, I say, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And I, I make sure that it comes across as genuine as genuine, possible. Yeah. Yes. So that they too will not hesitate to say, Miss, I'm sorry, when, when they have erred as well. So it is so important. I mean, teaching is such an amazing profession and we've got some teachers online. It, it, it is, I would not do anything else. And this is the only thing I've ever done, to be honest, unlike Kosha who said she dabbled in the outside world. <laughs> For me, that was it. Secondary school, teacher training college uh, back in Jamaica and I haven't looked back. So, so it, it, it's really rewarding, and especially when you see the impact you've made on students who have posed behavioral issues. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the end of tonight's show on behavior then and now. I do hope that you've taken um, something from it tonight that you will probably apply to your own practice. It's been an honor to have you, Kosha. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I know busy times and lots of paperwork and admin and assessments to mark, but you took the time and I thank you. Thank you so much listeners for sticking with us tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show and, uh, uh, and I hope it triggered some memories for you as well. And that for those of your teachers that you will go back to your classroom, to your department, and you will share some of the gems that Kosia shared with us. Thank you so much and uh hopefully you'll be with me again in two weeks time where we'll tackle another topic 
So have a lovely evening, get some rest. And thank you so much, Kosha. Thank you again. Thank you, Michelle. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.